Well, Happy New Year. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? This is my story. This is my song. You know, that hymn was once the contemporary worship song of the day. (laughs) It was brand new at one point, and I'm sure the the older people in the congregation were like, oh, how could you sing that? (laughs) But this... The subject of our songs doesn't change. It was about Jesus then. It's about Jesus now. This will always be my story that I am praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a verse I want to start off with. I was just thinking about it while we were sitting there. It's New Year, right? Calendar rolled over again. How many of you are still writing 2015 on your text? (laughs) I haven't written a check yet, but I'm sure I will do it. And then you'll turn your five into a little six somehow, and it'll all be okay. But um, it's a good time to reset, right? Especially coming out of the crazy busyness of Christmas and all the tired and grumpy and cranky that can come with that. But it's a good time to reset our focus. It's a good time to reset our words, and Psalm 65:11 says, "You crown the year with a fruitful harvest." And it's OK to be just like God and declare the end from the beginning. And so that's what we're going to do right now. He crowned this year already with a fruitful harvest. The paths are worn down by carts, overflowing with unstoppable growth. And so we're just going to declare and decree that over us this year, that it's a year of abundance, of fruitful harvest with overflowing abundance. Amen? Amen. Who receives that? I sure do. (laughs) Well, that's not what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Um, What we're going to talk about, actually, the title of my message, my nice, good New Year's message, because it's New Year, right? So uh, is add this to your list. Add these things to your list. How many of you are list makers? I have to make a list to go in the kitchen because sometimes I walk from the living room to the kitchen and forget what I went in the kitchen for. So I need to make a list for that. But um, it's not age, though. I'm not declaring that. It's just that my mind is so full of everything my kids are doing that I just can't remember everything. And uh, so, but we're going to talk about, um, add these things to your list. And we make lists, and I have lists on my um, New Year's list. I need to get in better shape. It's not good to be winded when you walk up and down the stairs. (laughs) I need to clean my house. I need to get organized. These are all things that we put on our list every year. But where we're going to turn today is 1 Chronicles 28. And this is actually uh, when King David brought the elders and the leaders and his son Solomon to him right before he died. So these are his final words to his son. King David's coming off the throne. King Solomon's going to assume the throne. And these are his final words. So it's not a grocery list. It's not um, something that's non-consequential. When you're going to tell somebody the final thoughts, these are the things that carried me through my life that you're going to need to know these. These are the most important things that I've learned in all my years here on earth. These are the instructions that he's giving to Solomon. And so First Chronicles 28 verse 9 says, 
and Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build the temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. And so these are the things that King David told Solomon to put on his list every day. To know him intimately to worship him wholeheartedly, and to live intentionally. And so those are the three things we're going to look at today. And these things I think were so important to David because looking back on his life as an old man, he could see that these were the things that got him through. He was anointed king at, as a teenager. Some say 14, some say 16, you know, right around my son Mitchell's age. Anointed king. That's a little scary. <laughs> Can't imagine Mitchell being anointed king of something. Of course, if God's anointing was on him, you know, he could do it. But 15, that just seems so young to me now. So that's when he was anointed king, but he wasn't established as king for years, over a decade. And so what got him through the waiting and the questioning and the Lord when and the Lord why? Why is Saul trying to kill me? Why am I having to run? Why am I having to fight for this? You said it. It should just be coming to pass. Knowing God intimately and worshiping him wholeheartedly, these are the things that got David through. I think that's what compelled him to go at the giant. The fact that he knew his God intimately is what propelled him to the giant. He didn't look at the giant and shrink back in fear. He looked at the giant and saw and remembered what God had done for him in the wilderness, out in the field, in the pasture. He, you know, the same God that rescued me from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the giant. I'm going to go fulfill my destiny because I knew him intimately and worshiped him wholeheartedly, and lived intentionally. These were the things that got him through. At Ziklag, when he and his troops had gone out to battle, and they came back home, your place of rest and refuge, they come home, and the place was looted and robbed, and their wives and children were all kidnapped and taken away. And then all of his men turned on him and wanted to stone him. And this is what got David through, that he knew God intimately and he worshiped God wholeheartedly. Because when that happened, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, nope, let's go get him. And they went and rescued all the women and children and livestock and everything came back. God restored it all. But these things were so important to him because it's what got him through. And these are the same things that will get us through. They will hold us steady and stable in the good times. You know, sometimes it's, it's uh, harder to stay passionate and steady in the good times. You know, the Bible really even in Deuteronomy warns them, when you get into the land flowing with milk and honey and you're prosperous, don't forget the Lord your God. Because sometimes in the good times <laughs> is when they fall away. 
So it's what holds you steady in the good times. It's what holds you as an anchor in the storm. And I've been through things in my life that I thought would break me in half. And if it hadn't been for his presence, if it hadn't been for knowing him intimately, I don't know where I would be. And so this is what we're going to look at today. These are what we want to put on our list every day for this new year. So we're going to start with knowing God intimately. And that word know, it just means to have a personal knowledge of, to be acquainted with, to be familiar with, to acknowledge him, perceive him, be aware of him. That song, let us become more aware. That's all part of knowing him intimately, being aware of him, to understand him and to comprehend him. So these are what that word know means. And I like that, that King David added the word intimately. Know him intimately. Because there's a huge difference between knowing of somebody, between knowing about somebody, and knowing them intimately. You can pull up Michael Lagaris' music and read Michael Lagaris' bio, and you can learn a lot of stuff about him. But you will never know him as well as I know him. Because I don't just know about him, I know him intimately. And so there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him. And the way that we get to know him is through the word and through prayer. And I want to read this real quick in the Amplified Version. The part where it says, seek him and you'll find him. And my iPad's pulling it up really slow for some reason. Really slow. The little thing's going around. Well, it says... (laughs) It says, if you seek him, if you inquire after him and require him as a vital necessity. And so it's not just knowing about somebody. It's not just a five-minute acknowledgement or a five-second acknowledgement and praying before the meal or, you know, I, I believe in God. Knowing him intimately is requiring him as a vital necessity. And there's a difference between something that you need and something that you need vitally. Vital means it's necessary for life. If I lost a fingernail or a finger, I would still live. If I lost my heart, not so much. (laughs) If I lost my brain, mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm. Some of our organs are vital because they're necessary for life. And so what he's saying here is that you need to know him intimately because he's necessary for life. And this is what will carry you through. And you know, really, if you read about Solomon's reign, the sad part is he didn't do it. And he divided the kingdom. And so it is crucial to listen to the advice of David. Let's not take Solomon's example. Let's listen to what King David said. But I also want to read Jude. Um, There's only one chapter. Jude verse 20 and 21. In the NLT version. 
And Judah actually was going to write these people about something different, and he decided to write them about this. And um, you know what? Just hand me my Bible. I was trying to avoid the whole reading glasses thing, but maybe if I hold it far enough away, I don't know what's wrong with the Wi-Fi. But technology, goodness. And so Jude uh, talks to them here about keeping themselves in the love of God. And as I was studying and praying over this, this is the verse that kept coming up to me. (laughs) But, oh, I have to put them on. There we go. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in the love of God. And this isn't talking about us loving this way. This is about keeping us, ourselves safe in his love for us. And, and have you ever known anybody who loved him one day and maybe next year not so much? Have you ever known anyone who really loved him and then walked clean away? Anybody? Ever know anybody like that? And so it's really important, and I feel like this is why this was so important to David, to keep ourselves in an intimate relationship with him and to keep ourselves safe in the love of God. We keep ourselves safe in the love of God. We do it. Just like a marriage. We keep ourselves in love with each other. And how many, but how many of you that have been married more than 10 years have had to keep yourself there? Raise your hands. How many of you (laughs) know the hard work of maintaining that love? Because if you don't do the hard work of it, and it's hard work. Sorry to all the newlyweds in here. (laughs) Or the ones coming up. We're going to talk about this (laughs) in counseling next week. But um, it is hard work. And we have to do it. No one else is going to do it for us. And it's the same thing this way. We need to keep ourselves safe in his love so that we stay real close to him. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. And if you read through the New Testament, Paul says it over and over and over. Hold fast to what you believe. Hold tight to the word. Hold tight to him. Because if you don't hold tight to him, you're going to let go of him. And it's no fun to walk kind of far. You can maintain your Christianity as far as going to heaven without having a super duper close walk with him. But you're going to have a lot more (laughs) hard time of it. Hold fast. Why? Because it's possible to know the truth and still believe the lie. It is possible to know the truth and still believe the lie. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes I am healed and then go to pray and go, hmm, I wonder if he's going to heal me. It's possible to know the truth and believe the lie. And so we want to keep ourselves safe in his love. And one way we do that, like he said in June, is to build yourself up on your most holy faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and by praying. So it's his presence and the word together. 
And I love his presence. I love corporate worship. But without the word, that's how you get to know somebody. You don't just, if I wanted to get to know Amanda, I wouldn't just go out to lunch with her and sit across the table from her and stare, right? We could, we could do that. We could sit across the table from each other for an hour and just stare at each other and leave and not be any more acquainted than when we walked in that door. I need to ask her questions. You know, if I want to know about her, if I want to know about her story, I need to converse with her. And one way that we converse with him is in his word. It's his word that he revealed himself to us. Every time you open that word, every time I open that word, I see something about him. And so if you want to get to know him, if you want to get to know his voice, you open his word so that in his presence when he speaks, you recognize his voice. It's the word and the presence. We get to know him intimately. And then the next thing King David said is that, my son, you need to worship and serve him wholeheartedly. And I love worship, love corporate worship, love getting to church and worshiping. And even that song, we will dance, we will dance for your glory. Worshiping him wholeheartedly doesn't just mean raising your hands and dancing and and singing and shouting. That's part of it. But worship is as much of what you do as what you say. And that word serve, when he says serve him wholeheartedly, it means to be in bondage to, to be a servant of, to be a worshiper. All three of those are in the same word serve. And it makes sense because whatever you're in bondage to is what you're worshiping. Some of us are in bondage to food. Whatever you can't say no to is what you're in bondage to. Some of us are in bondage to the TV. Alcohol, drugs, money. Some people put all their time and effort and thought and focus into earning the next dollar because that's what's the most important to him, to them. And he's saying, no, worship him wholeheartedly because he needs to be most important. Whatever you worship is the most important to you. So we're going to go to Romans um, chapter 12 and read verses 1 and 2. See if we can get it to pull up this time. Nope. Will you try to reset the, turn my Wi-Fi off and on, maybe that'll help it go faster. But Romans 12, 1 and 2. Ah, I forgot where Romans was. It's before Corinthians. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Sound like worship? The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Offer your bodies to him as a holy sacrifice. What we do with our lives is worship. Why? Because he's not just Savior. He is Savior. He saved us. But he is Lord. And he is Master. And I think we do people a disservice when we say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You want to meet my Jesus because he'll do this for you, he'll do this for you, he'll do this for you, he'll do this for you. He'll make your life rosy and a piece of cake. He's going to meet all your needs and he's going to do all these things which are our wonderful byproducts of salvation. They are. But he requires. He is Lord. And what we do with our bodies is all part of, of our worship. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself. Another translation says, You are not your own. You are not your own property. You were bought with a price. So glorify and honor God with your body, which is his. So what we choose to do or not do glorifies and honors God. That's worship. That's the same verbiage that you hear in Revelation. All honor and glory and power belong to you forever and ever. Amen. It's worship. What we do with our bodies is worship. And so when we do the do's and when we avoid the avoids, it's worship. And listen, the the Old Testament, all those lists in the Old Testament, the law, you know how that came forth in the wilderness? God called Moses up, you know, to the mountain to give them the law. It's, it's the list of what pleases him and what displeases him. The same thing in the New Testament. There are lists. There are sin lists. There are do's and don'ts in the New Testament. And there are lists of what pleases him and what doesn't please him. He put those in there on purpose to reveal his heart to us. He put them in there on purpose. He put don'ts in there on purpose for our benefit. We tell our kids all the time we have the talk, right? This is the world's way. (laughs) This is God's way. God says marriage. The world says why wait? You get to pick. You do get to choose. But his way is always going to be better better because the world's way brings nothing but regret and guilt and shame. And God's way just brings honor and glory and peace and contentment. You get to pick. But his don'ts and avoids are in there for our benefit. People make it out to be law, whatever. No. Love lives to please. 
And we see, I, my kids' friends have girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, and you see all this drama playing out, all this selfishness playing out in their relationships. Why? Because they're really not mature enough to know that love is not about me. Love is a 24-7 laying my life down for the other person. And at 14, 15, 16, you're not really mature enough to do that. Sometimes at 45, you're not mature enough to do that. At 45, you're saying, no, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. (laughs) Right? So I know my husband intimately. So do you want to hear a little scoop? I saved it. (laughs) It didn't fall. So I'm going to tell you something that you never knew about my husband. Are you ready? (laughs) My husband has sound issues. (laughs) He has noise issues in that loud, crunchy chewing in a quiet room really drives him crazy. Anybody else? Make him feel better about himself. Oh, look. Look at all of them. So I learned this about him by spending time with him. That's how you get to know somebody, right? By spending time with him. And so love lives to please. So on purpose, I try with all my might not to eat my potato chips in a quiet room with my husband because I know that it drives him crazy. I know that it displeases him, right? And if I really want to just be comfortable in where he is or we're watching a movie or something, I'll say, do you mind if I eat this popcorn? Do you mind if I eat these potato chips? Because I know it displeases him. Love lives to please. And when we keep ourselves safe in the love of God and are filled with his love, then no isn't really hard is it? Because love lives to please. And if we know it's displeasing to the heart of God, then it's easy to say no. Because I'm loved, and so I want to love. And when we do the do's, that's worship. What did Jesus say to do? Love your enemies. Ouch. Love the sandpaper at work, the one that really just rubs you raw. Pray for them. (laughs) Yeah, we pray for them. Pray for them, all right. No, pray nice things for them. (laughs) Bless those that curse you. I remember one time Alex was being picked on in Children's Church of all things. He was in kindergarten, I think. And this kid kept picking on him and picking on him and picking on him. And I go, well, the Bible says love those, (laughs) love your enemy, bless those who curse you. What can we do to bless him? And so he said, I'm going to take him some bubble gum because in kindergarten, that's a blessing, right? (laughs) He liked bubble gum. And so for a few services, he did that. He took him in bubble gum. Here, I want to give this to you. I want to give this to you. And you know what? The kids stopped picking on him. What we do is worship, and he gets all the glory. It wasn't our idea. That was God's idea. And when we love the unlovely, when we love the ones that are mean to us, 
I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about love. Putting ourselves down and saying, well, Father, how can I love them? He gets the glory. I'm not that nice. Without him, I would never do that. He gets all the glory. And when we avoid the avoids, we just read um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. What we do with our bodies is worship to him. You know what 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says? Run away from sexual immorality. Avoid it. Run away from it. The Bible says, do not let sin rule in your mortal body. And when you avoid the avoids, he gets the glory. It is worship. It's saying, you matter the most to me. It's not just lip service in church on Sunday morning. It's Sunday through Sunday, me putting you first and doing it your way. And that, when you put relationship first and worship second, it keeps you safe in his love. And when you're safe in his love, guess what? You want to, Connie, can you put that next slide up? We got a hashtag for you. Ready? Loved people love people. I wrote it out underneath it for you guys that don't speak hashtag. <laughs> Some of you are in here going, what's a hashtag? <laughs> I'll explain it later. Come see me after service. Loved people love people. When you are keeping yourself in the love of God, you're not having to make yourself be nice to someone. You're not having to make yourself do the word. When you're loved, you just love. Have you ever seen like young newlywed couples where everything's just wonderful and life is wonderful? We've been married for two weeks and we're just so in love and they're so nice to everyone around them. La la la. Because it's just love, love, love. And they're so nice. Why? Because they're so loved that all that flows out is love. And when we keep ourselves safe and intimately knowing him, worshiping him wholeheartedly and keeping ourselves safe in his love, people are going to look at us and go, what is wrong with them? How can they be so happy? Don't they watch the news? I watch the news, but I know who's got me covered. And it's easy for me to love you because I am so loved, loved people love people. So we're going to worship him wholeheartedly, not just with lip service, but with what we do. We're going to live to please him. Amen? That was the second thing that was so important to David when he was talking to Solomon. These things are going to carry you through life. Know him intimately, worship him wholeheartedly, and the third thing is live, or live intentionally. After he told him, know him and worship him, he said, take this seriously. God has chosen you to build a temple for his name. Be strong and do it. And there are two different kinds of calls 
There's a specific call, and then there's just the general call that we're all called to. My husband's called to be a pastor. We're called to pastor. Some of you are called in the medical field. Some of you are called to teach. Some of your moms are called to homeschool. I honor you. (laughs) I could never do that, but you do. It's your calling. You're called to do that. Do it. Be strong and do it. Good deal. But then there's the general thing that we're all called to do. Can anyone guess what it is? Love. And how do we live intentionally with love? Loved people love people. And this is what I want us to walk away with today. We're going to, it's a challenge that I gave myself this year, and now I'm laying it down for you. Every day, I want this in your head, this hashtag. Loved people love people. And if you're not feeling loved, that's the first thing you need to do. Get in the word, get in prayer, worship, get loved. But loved people love people. So what we want to do when we wake up in the morning is on purpose, think about it. Be aware of it and say, who can I impact today? Father, bring someone across my path that I can love today. We're not just saying bring someone in these doors to get your love. Let's leave it to the pastors. Let's leave it to this church service. Let them feel your love when they walk in the door. You know, in the book of Acts, where all the salvations happened? Outside. They didn't happen in the church. The purpose of the church, the purpose of the early church was that the believers met together to hear the word, to worship and pray together, and to fellowship. That was the purpose of the church in here. And then when they were loved, they went out there and loved people. Out there. (laughs) When God wants to do anything and he's getting ready to do something, do you see the signs of the times? There is a harvest. And Jesus even said it. When he looked at the harvest, he had compassion. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his harvest field. And he's just begging us to open our eyes and see the harvest field out there and to love them. Anytime God wanted to do anything, he used a man. He wanted to save Noah's family from the flood. He used a man to build the ark. He wanted to bring a covenant people into the world. He used Abraham, a man. He wanted to restore relationship with all humanity, and he sent an angel. He sent a man. You, me, this is what our call is. We're called to love. And the world's not used to it. They're not going to know what to do with it because they're used to a church that's critical and condemning and confrontational and judgmental. And when we just go love them, they're not going to know what to do with that. When we're nice to them, when they're mean to us, they're not going to know what to do with that. They're going to say, I need to know what you have. 
And it's going to open doors. It's the love of God that's going to draw men to repentance. And it's not just the ones that walk in here. They need it. The ones at your school, the ones at your job, the ones at the hospital that you work at. There are customers that come in. They need him. And he wants them. And he can't get them unless we love them. So loved people love people. And this is what we're going to do this year. We're going to keep ourselves safe in the love of God so we can give it away. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would just engrave this in our hearts to, to stay in your love first and foremost, that relationship first and foremost. But Father, to get your love, to give it away. Make it real to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm so thankful for this message. I think that this is the heartbeat of where Holy Spirit is taking us as a church. Um, some of you have been involved in our recent, um, our recent outreaches, and at this time I'm going to ask um, our dear sister Diane Leopard to come. Um, we were going to have her come earlier in the service um, to share a testimony um, but here, what you're about to hear is a classic example and the perfect example of a loved person loving people. Um, recently, we did two outreaches, one at the Eastwood Mall where we simply wrapped gifts for the people who were walking through the mall, and all we asked for in return was, just let me pray for you. And the other outreach that we did was for McGuffey School, one of the other poorest schools here in the Warren City School District. Um, we just simply gave gifts to them and loved the kids and loved the parents. And I'm going to have um, Diane just share a, an example of loved people loving people. Diane? Okay. I'm not used to talking. That's okay. one of these, so. um, It was a year ago when Victory asked if there would be volunteers that would go over to McGuffey and help out with the kids. And another lady, Lori, and I decided we wanted to do that. So we kind of went out of our comfort zone. And we went over to help a second-grade teacher, and we helped these children to, to read. And there were so many problems. And when we got over there, um, you know, we, we saw that really what the kids needed more was our love. And Lori and I just began to love on this teacher and to love on these kids. And uh, it was probably several months into this that the teacher asked us, she says, now I know you go to Victory, but she said, where is this church? Because she knew that Victory was the one that had come in to, to do the helping. And we said, well, it's right down the street, actually, from here. And she said, well, I live in Boardman. And I said, well, we have a sister church in Boardman. And so I immediately went home before she changed her mind and texted her and gave her the address and the times of the services and everything. And when I went the next Tuesday, she said, guess what? I went. And she said, I really liked it. The people just loved on me. And now I, I took it from her background that maybe she had been taken to church as a young person with her grandmother. Uh, it sounded like she had never had her children in church from what we gathered. And as time went on, she, she kept going. Well, to make a long story short, she got saved. Her children have gotten saved. And when we left there last year as, and our last time, she said, you know, the reason you're here was for me. She said, God sent you here for me. Now, we know that the children blessed us more than I think we actually blessed them. But when I went back this, this school year, she was just bubbling with excitement. She has taken the road. She has become a member of the church. She has been water baptized. And she said that her children, who didn't really want to go to begin with, just absolutely love it. 
and I know she's been helping out at the church, and the neat thing is her, her oldest son is, I think, around 14, and he loves the youth group, and he had told his mom around August, September that he felt there was a calling on his life and that God was possibly calling him into the ministry. And this was a kid that this was the first time I think he's even been in church. Um, so I just thank God for the opportunity Victory gave us because it was going out of our comfort zone. And Lori and I went in there that first week. We both were kind of holding hands saying, we're nervous about this. We don't know what we're really doing here. And, uh, and just to make a plea, she told me that, you know, they really need more help. The kids, there's a big need over there. And they could use definitely a lot more ladies or men helping out with the kids. Um, but, you know, I think of the verse in Matthew that says to let our light shine so that others would see our good works, but they'd glorify him. So even though it is a work we're doing, the glory doesn't come to us. And, and Victory is just being a blessing over there. Every time I go in, she makes sure everybody knows, this is the lady from Victory, this is the lady from Victory. And the teacher's just kind of like, oh, that's great. You guys are doing such a work. And after the Christmas program, I mean, they can't say enough nice things about us over there. And I know a lot of the teachers need the Lord. And, and it was just like, yeah, well, little did we know when we went in there that because of Victory's presence, it wasn't really us, it was Victory's presence in there, that this teacher and her, and her family are all serving the Lord now. And it's just neat. Her husband hasn't went yet. I, I guess he's went a few times, but he still hasn't, you know, felt that need yet. So we're praying for him. And uh, anyways, I just thank God for giving me that opportunity. Amen. Amen. Yep. And uh, as you start to walk out in this, I, I'm just going to encourage you, please tell us what, what your stories are, because we'll announce some of them. Hashtag it on social media, tag us. I want to hear not only who you get to impact, but how it impacts you. Because when he uses you like that, Diane, wasn't it awesome to just, like, you're like, ah, it just, I think it blesses us more than them. But hashtag it, tell us about it, email us, call us. We want to hear about him. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus said, they will know you by your love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. They'll know you by your love. I love the scripture that she um, taught off this morning. Um, she mentioned it several times, but it's the love of God that draws people to, to God. I don't care if, where you are in your search for God. If you come here, that's going to be what we're going to, that's going to be the, the fruit that you're going to see the most. And here's why. Because loved people love people. We've heard this over and over. Bishop Thomas says, hurt people hurt people. But the opposite is so much true. And loved people love people. And if we are going to let our light shine, how do we let our light shine? We love. Amen. We're going to take God's example, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave. And in our, in our loving, so we're going to give what we have in our hands. And that's love. That's our call. Amen. Can we all stand together? We're, we would love the opportunity to bless you. Love? Go ahead. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus, we just bless you. Father, I just pray that this will be the year that they delve deeper into a more intimate relationship with you than ever before. Father, let them know your power and your love more than ever before. I pray that their hearts would be open to receive your love like never before and that you would direct their paths to those who need you. In Jesus' name, amen.